your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. It's OBB100. What's up, everybody? This is Orange and Blue Bloods. I'm EJ Stewart. This is Tommy Beer joining me as always. And we have a special 100th episode of Orange and Blue Bloods coming at you here. I want to give a big thank you to the listeners. Thank you to anybody who supported the podcast for us to get to 100 episodes. It's certainly an accomplishment, and we're excited to give you a very special episode. So, you know, this is a very basketball-centric podcast. We will be talking about um, Team Canada beating the U.S. in the bronze medal. We kind of previewed the gold medal game, and of course, end up being a bronze medal game. So we'll talk about uh, Canada defeating the U.S., U.S. not meddling at the FIBA World Cup. That's the World Cup wrap this weekend. And then we will have the festivities, the showdown, the battle of wits, as Tommy Beer and myself will under will, will go under a basically a, a all-time Knicks fantasy draft. So he will be a GM of one team, I'll be a GM of another team, and we will celebrate 100 episodes of Orange Blue Bloods by celebrating Knicks history. Tommy's a Knicks buff, a history buff for the for the uh, at, with the NBA. I am as well. So we thought this was the best way to go about doing this. So we're going to be talking about some of the greatest Knicks of all time. We're going to be compiling our own fantasy teams. And you, the listener, will get to decide who came up with the best team and whose team would win in a showdown. So uh, we'll get to more of that uh, and plenty else after this break. As I said, Tommy Beer joins me as always. This is EJ Stewart, Orange and Blue Bloods. And Tommy... I gotta. I, I'm. I'm very curious how this draft is gonna go. I. I. You know. I didn't get much when it came to strategy for what. What Tommy's thinking. Uh, we'll get to how the picks laid out. I think even the way Tommy wanted to lay out the picks makes me think that he already has a, a strategy in place. But uh, I'm very curious to hear what my guys got to say and and how he's looking forward to doing this show with this draft later on. Yes, uh, listen, uh, any GM keeps uh, the proprietary. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't even want to let anybody in my inner circle know you try to hire him away like the Raptors, uh, you know, <laughs> my proprietary information, the, the spreadsheets I was creating, uh, my Synergy account. Um, so, uh, you know, we didn't have to throw laws. But, uh, yes, uh, uh, looking forward to it. And uh, just want to reiterate, um, like EJ said, thank you for everybody out there that's tuned in or downloaded or favorited or retweeted or um in any way supported the pod um appreciate you guys um you know giving time and energy and all that stuff we know it's a crowded space so um we certainly appreciate your support we definitely do and and again shout out to a lot of the guests we've had on this show as well they've been fantastic as well so this has been an awesome ride and we're gonna continue it uh with this 100th episode and we begin um I, I don't want to say somber per se because we did have a Nick medal, but you know, if you're an American, maybe it's a little somber. So uh, RJ Barrett will be the only Nick coming back home with a medal from the FIBA World Cup. Both the US and Canada suffered defeats uh, to the likes of Germany and Serbia, respectively, in the semifinal round of the World Cup. So they ended up battling in an epic showdown for the bronze medal. And you don't use the word epic with bronze normally, but this was a, a pretty epic game. So Canada surprisingly led by 
Dylan Brooks with 39 points knocks off the Americans in overtime this past weekend. Mikel Bridges has sent the game into overtime with an absolute miraculous three. He had needed to make a free throw and then miss and then grab his own rebound, get behind the three-point line, do a almost a Ray Allen impression against the Spurs from the finals way back when, and drill a three from the corner that looked like he went off the glass. It was a play that I've never seen before. It was an incredible play. Um, to send the game into overtime, you thought maybe the Americans would take uh, that that uh, momentum into overtime. But uh, Shea Gildas Alexander, uh, Dylan Brooks, and R.J. Barrett, the Knicks' own, uh, would not allow it. Barrett hit an absolute dagger three in overtime uh, to help propel Canada to victory. R.J. finished with 23 points. Shea Gildas Alexander finished with 31. For the U.S., you had Anthony Edwards leading all Americans with 24. I thought Canada did a really good job of trying to crowd him and get the ball out of his hands as much as they could. He still ended up with 24. Bridges had 19. And then for the Nick players on Team USA, you had Jalen Brunson with 13 and Josh Hart with 10. So it's Canada's first medal in international competition in 87 years, which is kind of crazy to think about considering how much of an impact Canada basketball has had in our NBA world for really the last 10, 15 years. But it's been 87 years since they've medaled in any international competitions. Uh, so shout out to Canada for that. Uh, it's the first time since 1970 the U.S. has failed to medal in consecutive World Cups. Remember, they also finished seventh in 2019. So uh, after the U.S. Uh, was defeated, uh, Shams Rania conveniently this Monday morning uh, posting the report that LeBron James is interested in making a return to Team USA and is already already has the commitments of fellow stars like Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, and Jason Tatum to join him on Team USA for the Olympics next season. So a lot happened on the FIBA landscape this weekend. First, I'll ask you, Tommy, about the U.S. So they, they failed the medal. Obviously, that's a disappointment given this team had the most NBA players of any of the teams uh, in this tournament. Why were they unable to play better? essentially is my question this day they, they had lost to germany and then of course you you lose to canada a team that also was star-studded but nonetheless a disappointment for the u.s yeah listen they lost three out of the last four games um and gave up an average of 117 points per game that's mm. 40 minute games you know it's not that's not yeah. 48 minute day games um so you know in short that's your direct answer um defensively they just weren't up to snuff which ties into the issue we talked about previously, um, their their lack of bigs. Um, Jalen uh, Jackson Jr. Um, incredibly finished the tournament with the same number of rebounds as Jalen Brunson, um, half as many as, as Josh Hart. Um, so it's just, you know, he was basically their only reliable big, the kind of big that they were depending on to kind of buttress that back line and anchor the, the defense. And it made sense, theoretically, um, going into the uh, the tournament considering that he was the reigning NBA player of the year. Um, but as we noticed, and as we've seen, as the USA probably should have known, um, skill sets in the NBA do not translate directly to FIBA. Um, you know, point, yeah. uh, perfect case in point is Jalen Brunson, a terrific ISO scorer, um, you know, that guy down in the post, you know, death in the mid-range, et cetera. Um, that's not what FIBA, you know, that, that doesn't play to his strengths where it's ball movement and, and sets and chemistry and cohesion, et cetera, as opposed to one-on-one -on -one scoring production. Um, but yeah, so I would say the two biggest issues for USA, um, 
It's one, it's not shocking that they lost. Um, it's, it's definitely surprising. They were obviously favorites. Uh, for them to lose three out of the last four games is, you know, is, is not certainly what not anybody expected. Um, but listen, the last, what, three, four MVPs have all been foreign players. Um, it's not a surprise that the rest of the world has, you know, is essentially caught up to the NBA in terms of talent and production and size, et cetera. Um, and a lot of, and the advantage that a lot of teams have is these guys, a lot of these guys in Germany, a lot of these guys in Lithuania have been practicing playing together since they're 12 years old, 14 years old, 16 year olds, under 18 teams, yeah. um, professional ranks. They don't go to, you know, 18 different AAU circuit teams and, and, and 40 different colleges and high schools and G leagues and over, over time, uh, you know, all these different kind of sex. It's more of a, of a, a there's definitely obviously more familiarity with each other. So um, for, for that, and all, you know, I think it's a combination of all those reasons and some bad luck. Um, you know, the, the USA finds itself without a medal. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I look, I'm someone who like coach K obviously is, is a legend and one of the greatest you know, college basketball coaches of all time. Um, I think he does have some tendencies that are a little, I don't know. He, he can rub me the wrong way with some of the stuff he says and does, at least in the last, you know, I say maybe five to 10 years. That being said, what you cannot dispute is his ability, along with Jerry Colangelo, to really build up the U.S. basketball program into just that, a program. And it just feels like since Colangelo and uh, Coach K kind of stepped away that we've seen this thing kind of just kind of go into dis- disrepair, almost honestly. I mean, I, I think that Greg Popovich – was really kind of just going through the motions coaching this team. Um, they took away a lot of the, the, the measures they had to kind of really build a strong team together, which was, you know, four year commitments, which was training camps, even in non uh, you know, years where you had a, a international tournament um, tryouts where guys actually actually earned their way onto the team. So they actually kind of could see how their teams would fit. They've thro- done away with that. And they've done away with that completely. I don't know if they just feel like this generation of player just won't, you know, commit to something like that. I don't know. I I, mean, I I don't have the answers for why that's the case. But that is the case. And I think that that has hurt this team. Because I think that in the years past, they haven't won the last few World Cups. And they haven't won one actually since 2014. But, you know, uh, from 20, 2006, I think, was when Coach K took over. Uh, they finished third in that World Cup. And then from then on, they went gold up until 2014. They were doing all the things I mentioned, and I think they had a team that was a lot more uh, cohesive. Even if you had a couple of guys missing every now and then, most of the time you had the same guys playing every year. So there was some chemistry, and we don't have that now. Well, now we just have random guys playing every year. Uh, I don't want to throw it all on these guys. I mean, they didn't perform uh, defensively at all, and that's, you know, as you mentioned, why they're going home. But I just think the randomness of the U.S. program under Pop that now has been inherited by Steve Kerr, and I'm not absolving him either. I mean, I, I just feel like watching Kerr and Spo, and I got to be honest, I'm a huge Kerr fan, so I don't. It's crazy for me to say this, but I felt like I was, in times I was watching uh, Winning Time. I felt like I was watching, uh, you know, uh, Paul Westhead, and I was watching Pat Riley as an assistant, kind of looking at this thing, wondering, man, like I just can't imagine a Spo team playing with this level of apathy defensively. Like I like maybe he should be the coach and not Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr is clearly not getting these guys to play the right way. So uh, I think a lot of that has a lot to do with this. Now LeBron's going to come in and he's going to bring the Avengers together to try to save the day. And if he gets all these guys, I'm almost certain the U.S. will probably win a gold medal. But they should have won with this team. They shouldn't be able to win with the team they had. They should have been able to put together a roster that should have been able to get it done. 
And I don't think it's an excuse that we didn't have our best player to win this tournament. Giannis didn't play for Greece. Serbia yep. went far in this tournament. They didn't have uh, Jokic. So it's, it's, it's no excuse for the U.S. to fall flat the way they did. Yeah, no, listen, totally agree. It, 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 at, the, at the end of the day, had more than enough talent to get it done. Listen, could yeah. they have balanced the roster out a little bit better? Um, even defensively, point of attack defenders, um, you know, they, they have to hold up there. You know, they have to take some responsibility. Obviously, SGA, um, who, as we talked about previously, you know, one of the main takeaways, I think, from the, the World Cup myself is that this kid is destined for superstardom, you know, not yep. just uh, – you know, not not just the all star stuff or like MVP, I think, is in his future at yeah. some point. He's that talented and that impactful on the overall game. Obviously, Dylan Brooks had a huge game, you know, 39 points in his career, high, NBA career high. Um, so that, you know, so it wasn't just the, the defense, you know, down low. So um, you're right. Listen, if they get Braun and Steph, I was and I was shocked. I didn't even realize it until somebody mentioned it today when they were talking about that Curry's never played for an Olympic team. He seems like the ideal guy like a wholesome you know all american mm. and and a great shooter we know that that the fiba ball places an importance on shooting um i know there were injuries and you know all that stuff yeah up at weird times but i was surprised it just kind of he kind of fell through the cracks a little bit um so yeah listen it'd be great if those guys come back and make one last run um and well that lebron at age 39 is still capable and, and the team would want him you know usually some of those guys um but we know he's still playing at a high level um so uh yeah it'll be interesting to see um but yeah they need better backline defenders you know whether it's bang um you know and, and then just the, the the kind of the secondary role players you know it's, it's interesting um and i wrote about it this morning of all the players on the team, on the FIBA team that could go to Paris next summer, a guy like Josh Hart may have a better chance of making the roster yeah. than Jalen Brunson. Absolutely. You know, if they bring uh, if they bring in uh, the Curry's and the Kyrie's of the world, so um, we'll see how that plays out. But maybe even a guy like Mitch Robinson, uh, you know, you know, like that type of um, you know solely yeah. you know defensive minded is you know never going to play for offensively. You know, he'll attack the offensive boards um, where the U team USA got badly out rebounded uh, against the Lithuanian Montenegro and um, and, and finally uh, you know Germany and Canada. So um, you know, we'll see how it plays out, but. Um, the, you know, there's there's um, reasons for the defeat, but make no mistake about it. Tip your hat to Canada. They played the better game. Um, and if and if the USA had, uh, you know, if that Bridges shot had led to a, a, a medal, let alone, you know, imagine that was the gold medal game. Um, yeah, that, was, that was that really was remarkable. Um, but uh, yeah, no, but uh, nothing nothing short of uh, utmost credit to Canada. And uh, maybe this will light a little fire under the. Uh, under Team USA, and we'll have the redeemed team to redeem the team that the redeemed team that the redeemed <laughs> team. Know. We, we've kind of yeah, run out we of gotta find, we're gonna we're gonna have to find a new name for this team, the rebound yes. team, or I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> some, I don't know what they're trying to do. This team, they won a gold medal in the Olympics, uh, that nobody thought they were gonna win really, given how poorly they were playing on the pop, and then they lost in the World Cup. Sorry, what are you redeeming? I don't know. It's very, it's gonna be very weird. Uh, I will say, and I gotta say it again, as I said on the last show, like R.J. Barrett. This guy, he steps up in big games. I mean, we see, we saw it again in this game. He was aggressive. Um, he shot the ball well enough. He was getting to the cup. And, and look, Canada was was heat-seeking at Austin Reeves and Jalen Brunson. But when Barrett had Reeves on him, it was just it was right to the basket, and it was easy for him. So uh, he put together a really strong tournament. I think if you're a Knicks fan, you got to feel good about uh, where his game is at coming into this season. Shot the ball well, finished much better. So him playing against these Americans, no doubt he's one of the top four or five guys on the court in this game. 
So that's something to take home if you're a Knicks fan for sure. Um, this tournament, it's so kind of the I don't want to say bad news, but the the not so great news takeaway from RJ is that the inconsistency was there. He was, you know, that's true. Um, had a four point game in game one against France. Um, was one of ten, I think, in in the third game. Yeah. Uh, started the tournament out three of ten from the free throw line over the first three games. Um, so there was, and then he had a 19 point game in the middle. Um, so that's important to note. Um, didn't necessarily, you know, wasn't uh, a lights out from three point land. Um, you know, so I think he finished the tournament shooting 34% from three, which is a decent percentage. Um, but it wasn't like, you know, oh my God, he fixed his shot and, you know, Drew Hanlon, you know, deserves a raise and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but he did play downhill, um, did take advantage of strength, a little bit more committed on the defensive end, um, focused on getting to the free throw line, even though it looked like he had the yips at the start of the tournament. And then yeah. as you, as you pointed out, and as we talked about during that cab series, during the start of that heat series, he can go on a run where he's um, with even on a court, sharing court with the other best players on the planet, Donovan Mitchell and Bam and Jimmy Butler or, you know, uh, you know, whatever SGA and, and uh, yeah. Josh Brunson and Mikhail Bridges, et cetera. Um, he can Im- he can make a huge impact on the game. And he finishes the tournament over the final three games, averaging 20. Uh, I have it right here. Um, yeah, it's 20 points. Final three games. Final three games at 23.3 points, yeah. 6.3 rebounds, 2.6 threes, while shooting over 49% from the floor. Um, ended up making four of his final 17 free throws. It's 82.3%. Um, so, again, those are really impressive numbers. And, again, this is Canada. That game against USA was the biggest game in anybody's lifetime that lived in Canada. Like, as yep, you know, absolutely. Olympics was the last time um, Canada had medaled in any international competition in Berlin. So, um, you know, these were huge. You saw, you know, in, in, some of the Twitter fans were mocking RJ for dancing after his bad game and they advanced to the, the, the semifinals. They, that game meant that that Olymp- that Canada had uh, had advanced and qualified officially for the Olympics next year. Yes. It's not a given for a country like Canada. You know, USA, we take that stuff for granted. Um, but for Canada, that, that that's no guarantee. So um, it, it, he's such a divisive player because, you know, for the folks that want to be really, really high on him, you can't really dispute that. He's only 23. He has these yeah. games where he plays so well. For other folks that say his floor is, you know, his ceiling rather is a lot lower than than some of the other folks. You can you can see where they are coming from as well. Um, yeah. You know, we tried to pre- we try to present both sides of the argument here on this pod, and this is one of those situations where, depending on which glasses you want to wear, the post cold glasses or the you know the RJ you know blurry glasses, you can you can make an argument you know for or against. But overall, the way things ended, it's hard to deny the fact that he's going to enter camp with a lot of confidence. He's going to enter Definitely. camp with bragging rights when he sees Brunson and Hart and those guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. he, he was the second leading scorer on a historic Canadian team that uh, that that won a gold medal. Uh, I'm sorry, that won a, a bronze, bronze medal, medal. Yeah. In, in an and beat the U.S. Game. And beat the U.S. in that in the in the, in the ultimate game. So um, big big props to R.J. Um, we'll see again if he can consistently try to contribute. Um, but you can't, you have to be, you have to like, if you're an RJ supporter, you have to like what you saw these last few weeks. Yeah. 16.8 points for the tournament, uh, 45% from the field, 37% from three, uh, 63% from the free throw line. Free throw line is the one that maybe looked like, oh, how'd that happen? Again, he had some really bad early games in the tournament, but those other slashes you would take 
for sure. If yep. you're a Knicks fan. Yes. Um, so, so uh, credit to RJ Barrett, congrats to RJ Barrett and the rest of the Canadian team and team USA get your act together, man. Cause that what we saw was not good for this tournament. So it is the 100th episode of orange and blue bloods. And we are celebrating 100 episodes and it's celebrating this run by doing battle. Tommy and I. Is our Knicks all time fantasy draft. So here is how this will work. We'll each have 10 players on the team. So we didn't do a 12 man roster. We're going to do a 10 man rotation. I know Tibbs likes to go nine. We want to give these guys some rest. We're going to have a 10 man <laughs> rotation of players. Okay. I will have the first pick. Now it's interesting. Tommy conceded this first pick. Knowing that he would now have this, the next two picks after that, so he won the two picks after that. I accepted. Um, so interesting to see what Tommy's thinking on that front, but either way, uh, I'll have the first pick, Tommy what the second pick and third pick, and then yes. from there, we are using what I found online is the Tory draft algorithm, which is essentially an algorithm that you could put in however many teams you want. I guess it's for fantasy football or any of sport if you don't know how to do draft orders and you're doing it manually. Like, you don't do it, like, on ESPN.com the way I would normally do it. Um, you uh, It creates a draft order that is fair for however many people are in your draft. So I was like, well, how do you do a fair draft with just two people? And it came up with an order. So um, it's it's not necessarily just me, Tommy, me, Tommy. There will be a couple times where Tommy drafts second two, two players. A couple times I'll draft two players. But we'll be following uh, very closely as we go forward with this draft. So, again, the way this is going to work, we're going to draft. Nick players. Now they have to be Nick players in terms of the prime when they were a Nick. So what that means is like I can't draft the Kimbe Matambo and say, well, I got to Kimbe Matambo, who was a four-time all you know uh defensive player of the year. Like he was not that with the Knicks. He was old, broken down, and barely played. So it's gotta be uh what they did in their Knicks career, and you're taking their best season or seasons if you want as a Nick, and we'll craft 10 players. We can make the teams however we want. Uh, I'm going to assume we're going to play under these NBA rules. So there will be a three-point line. Uh, there will be a 24-second shot clock. And otherwise, I think that's pretty much all the rules we need. Tommy, any questions from you? Uh, nah, I think you uh, laid it out pretty, uh, pretty clearly. I'm ready to roll. All right, we're going to get it rolling. So I have the number one pick in this all-time Knicks fantasy draft. And with the first overall pick, I'm going to pick the player that I believe is the greatest Nick of all time. I almost wore his jersey, but I didn't want to give away who my pick was going to be by wearing the jersey on the YouTube stream of the podcast. So I'm going to pick Walt Clyde Frazier with my number one overall pick. Now, Clyde Frazier, he's a point of attack defender. He's a floor general, ultimate clutch player. Given uh, the options time may have a point guard, I like the idea of having Clyde both defensively at the point of attack and then offensively as well, being able to uh, get after it, um, get his own shot, and also run the team. So we'll have Clyde Frazier as the number one overall pick in the all-time fantasy draft. Tommy now has the second pick. Uh, I was really hoping you weren't going to go there. I, I, you know, I understood that I had two and three, but I was – hoping that you'd, you'd pick one of the other two of the three. This mm -hmm. way I'd kind of be able to. But listen, I'm not going to complain. Good GMs 
think on their feet. And I knew this obviously was a possibility, if not a probability. Um, so I'm going to go with Patrick and Willis um, as my bookend. Mm. Three. Um, I understand, obviously, they're both centers, but I ideally, um, you know, Willis a little bit smaller, 6'9", 6'8", 6'10", in that, that range. Um, so I, I think they can play alongside each other. Um, you know, I'm going to have Patrick spread the floor a, l- a little bit, um, you know, play in the mid range, shoot some of those jumpers. Um, and then Willis kind of control the boards down low, really happy with my defense, obviously interior defense, good luck trying to score against two of the greatest defensive players of all time, um, in the NBA, let alone Knicks history. Um, you know, really, really stout defenders and guys that can also score, score consistently, score in the mid range, score down low. Um, maybe a little bit bunched, and I'm going to see if I can round out my roster with some guards, etc. Um, but I'm certainly not upset starting out with the captain and the big fella. Mm, I, I was surprised you went back to back all time great Nick centers. I wasn't sure how you were going to work that. So, very interesting that you went with Patton Willis there. So, as I'm building my roster, okay, now you got two defensive anchors. It's very tough to score in the paint, probably. So, I need a bucket. I need a bucket who can get buckets at all three levels. He didn't necessarily win as much, but uh, we're going to need somebody that can score uh, one-on-one on his man and not necessarily have to get all the way to run to do it. So with the fourth overall pick, I'm picking the recently retired Carmelo Anthony with my fourth overall pick. Now, Melo can stretch the floor. Melo, I think, also will give me an option where if Tommy goes big with Willis and Pat both playing, that I can play Melo at the four and force him to probably have Willis Reed chasing around Carmelo Anthony, which I think would be bad news for him. So I wasn't sure I had to go with Melo this early, but I'm happy he was there on the board. So I'm going with Carmelo Anthony as the fourth overall pick, my second pick on this all-time Knicks fantasy draft. You want to talk about buckets? Is that what you want to do? (laughs) Give Give me Bernard King. Um, As EJ mentioned, we're talking in his prime, um, you know, I'm talking that, 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 you know, the, the, the NBA leading scorer, prime Bernard King, I'm talking about the, the Knicks playoff run where he averaged 38 points, Bernard King, um, you know, Christmas day, 60 points on the nets, Bernard King, that type of dude, um, you know, if, with, with mellow off the board, I secure my small, small forward spot. Um, and we get to watch, uh, Bernard King, theoretically in, in our imaginations, get to watch, Bernard and Mello lock horns um, at that, uh, you know, matched up against each other there. Yeah, I get the impression I'm going to need some defense very soon, but it's not going to necessarily be with this pick. Um, this pick, uh, I want more shooting. Um, again, this is a, we're playing with a three point line. So I need to be able to space the floor, especially given, again, the size that's down low. So I'm going to take for who my money is the greatest Nick shooter of all time. And no, it is not Evan Fournier, um, even though he had to record most threes. I'm going with one of my all-time Knicks, a guy who's hanging on my wall here in my apartment. Allen Houston is going to be my sixth pick uh, overall, uh, my third pick in this draft. Uh, now, Allen Houston, HPO, an absolute dead-eye shooter, a player that I think actually – if he was playing in today's game, would probably be a much better player, much more valued player, um, a guy who's played in big games, a guy who's played uh, and made clutch shots, as we saw, obviously, against the Miami Heat in 99 first round, game five. So I'm going with Allen Houston uh, with my third pick here. I needed to get a shooter 
a guy who I can rely on to spread the floor. And I think uh, H2O is going to be able to do that. Uh, you go back to back here, EJ. Uh, yes, yeah, so I go back to back. Yes, I'm looking at the order here. So I got my shooting there. So now I think we need to get some size. We need to get some size. And as I've said, I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to space this floor. And he kind of, Tommy kind of threw a, a little bit of a, of a, of a monkey wrench in there by getting Reed and Ewing. So I'm going to go with a, a little bit of a off the beaten path pick here. But I'm going to go with the great Jerry Lucas uh, to be my, my, my next pick here, the seventh overall pick, my fourth pick. And look, Jerry Lucas, a lot of people don't realize uh, how great a shooter he was when he uh, came to that Knicks team, those 70s teams. And, of course, they won in 73. He really added a different dimension, especially given uh, some of the injuries that Will Street was going through. Uh, Jerry Lucas, I think, one of the most underrated uh, Knicks of all time. And I think that he will uh, be able to provide some spacing and hopefully get Pat Ewing a little out of that paint um, uh, and not let him just kind of sit there and kind of just play defensive back or play uh, center field, so to speak. So I'm going to go with Jerry Lucas with my seventh overall pick. Okay, so I got two in a row now. Is that right, too? You got two two coming up here. Okay, all right. So let me first address my backcourt issues. I'm thin um, back there. And let me uh, reach back in history uh, and Ooh, snag going here. the great Richie Guerin. No, um, okay. uh, really, you know, you talk about underrated Knicks. He's right at the top of the list for me. One of only two Knicks to average over 20. Points in the season, um, nine, five, and 61-2. Um, in that same season, that 61-62 season, he averaged 6.4, 6.4 rebounds and 6.9 assists. Um, so he can play, um, you know, on the ball, off the ball. Um, one of only four players in NBA history to average at least 29.5, 6.5, uh, 6.5 assists and six rebounds over the course of an entire season. The other three guys in that club are Oscar Robertson, Jordan, and LeBron. Um, you know, from, you know, during the peak of his prime, he was a guy that'd give you, you know, 25, seven and six every night, um, six consecutive all-star games. Um, he's legit, um, you, you know, helped me lock down that, that backcourt spot. Um, and I'm going to pair him with, uh, our guy, Earl, the Pearl Monroe. Mm. Um, so that, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to get him this late in the draft. Um, you know, he did play off the ball a lot when he came over from the Knicks. Uh, from the bullets, uh, obviously, because Clyde was there, but that doesn't mean he can't handle the rock um, as he did, uh, you know, you know, throughout his career, Winston-Salem State with Washington, um, you know, just a, an all-time great. Um, so uh, snag him up. Um, and we know he plays well in big games. We know he can, you know, on, on this type of all-star type situation, this all-star setting, we know that he can amend his game. Um, you know, the joke was that they need two basketballs in New York. Um, once the Knicks trade for him next to Clyde, but, uh, you know, he, he set his ego aside, um, didn't try to score as much. We know he's a 40 point score in college, so we can put up buckets. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with my, my five right now. Yeah, that's a that those are those are two really good picks there. Uh, Richie Garen again, one of the, one of the all time greats. And, so EJ, and, you you got um, two picks in a row. Um, yes. Let's pause after this tenth pick before you make your second pick, and we'll break down our first five picks just to, and then we'll we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But make your that makes sense. So I'll make sense. So we'll get to ten. Yeah. So I'll get, do my tenth pick here. And look, I've gotten a lot of offense. That you know, I obviously Clyde. You know, I got Clyde at the point. He gives me some defense, but. Uh, great score, mellow, great score. Allen Houston, great shooter. Lucas, great shooter. We need some toughness. We need some physicality. 
And I think that's where we're going to go with uh, these picks coming up here. With the first one, I'm going to go with a guy who I think really changed the course of history for those 1970s teams when he came over. I'm going with Dave DeBusher. I was hoping Great Dave DeBusher. Yeah, I'm going with that's the best value pick so far in the draft, getting the Busher. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting Dave the Busher, a Hall of Famer. He's the tenth pick overall in this draft. And I would I would have picked him sooner. I just had too much size up front, but good pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw him slipping. I, I figured I, I had some time before I could get him off the board. I felt if I waited any longer past these next two picks, that he would probably be gone. So I'm going with Dave the Busher, a guy who was a double double machine, an excellent rebounder, hard nosed player, and a leader. I think this team may need a guy like Dave DeBusher in the locker room as well. Cause you got Clyde who's a great leader, but he's cool. You know, Carmelo's kind of cool. You know, Jerry Lucas kind of a silent assassin. We need somebody kind of like, you know, ruffle some feathers there. And I think Dave DeBusher is, is the perfect figure to do that. Not just uh, on the court with his physicality, but also um, it turns out as being a team leader uh, on this team. So Dave DeBusher in many ways, as Clyde and a lot of those guys mentioned, when he came over, it really kind of changed the course of history for the Knicks. So uh, I'm gonna give the late Dave DeBusher his flowers. I'm gonna pick him tenth overall in this draft. So as right, Tommy so said, your first five right now. So my first five picks. So we got Walt Clyde Frazier. He went number one. Number fourth pick, I have Carmelo Anthony. Well, maybe it'll surprise some people, but I needed shooting, so I went with Allen Houston at sixth. Seventh went with Jerry Lucas. And and uh, for my tenth pick, I went with Dave DeBusher. That's a strong first five. You got Clyde and H two O in the backcourt. Yeah. Then you got DeBusher and Mello as your forwards with Lucas Man in the middle. That's a that's a strong five. I'm not gonna lie, bro. But yeah, I, I, but I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm still looking at this Willis Reed and Patrick. <laughs> wondering what the hell is gonna happen on these baskets. <laughs> Listen, we're gonna rebound a little bit better than Team USA did. <laughs> that way. Yeah, so uh, yes, got, you could definitely say that. So I got Pat and Willis, my first two picks. I can space them out. I can have Pat coming off the bench. I can have Willis coming off the bench, depending on how we want to play it, depending on how yep. we round out this roster. So we got 48 minutes. Um, and obviously they'll play alongside each other. Um, then I went with Bernard King. Um, and uh my backward so far, I got Garen and, and Earl Pearl. So um, we'll see how it plays out. So EJ got one more pick, then I go two in a row. Yeah. So as I mentioned, well, this team needs toughness to deal with the interior presence that's there with Ewing and with Willis Reed. I don't know. I think he was going to go much later, but just given the team that Tommy's drafting, I just want to get him now just so I have him. So with the 11th overall pick, I'm going with another power forward. Going with the great Charles Oakley. Charles Oakley is going to go 11 here. Um, look, I think Charles Oakley, uh, the, the current Charles Oakley that we've dealt with in his beef with James Dolan, I think he's shown as many clown tendencies as James Dolan and some of this stuff, but no one could question, uh, the kind of heart Oak play with the guy was one of those guys that you, you thought would rather die than give up a basket. You know, that's how physical and how tough he played, um, a rebounding machine, an unselfish player, um, under, underrated passer as well. So Given uh, the lineup that they have, I feel like I, I have to have Oakley on my roster. He's going to have to get minutes uh, playing defense. He's going to be coming off the bench most likely, but I want to make sure I got him. So uh, Charles Oakley uh, is taken off the board here for me with the 11th overall pick. 
Good pick uh, with Oak. But listen, he said some things about Patrick that uh, <laughs> yes, much, he did. So, so Mr. Ewing and, and Willis got something for him if he wanted to want so. a tough guy, you know. Um, all right. So I got two in a row now. Is that correct? Yes, you do. Okay. 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 All right. So pretty content with my first five here, but I'm looking for versatility. I'm looking for players that don't necessarily need to score to positively impact the game um, that are content coming off the bench that could start, that can play multiple positions that are, that I want a high IQ player. Give me the great bill Bradley Um, dollar bill. um, You know, we know what he did in college. Um, You know, we know about the hype he came uh, at at Princeton and then spending two years abroad um, when he came to the Knicks really was kind of that prototypical glue guy um, on those 70, on those 70 teams, very durable, um uh 72 73 team um get, you know probably doesn't get an, as much credit as he should average 16 points uh, 4.5 assists four boards that year um ranks in the top 10 in, in points um assists and games played um on the Knicks all-time list uh third behind only Ewing and Frazier um so you know what he's going to bring to the table um you talk about leadership um, you talk about, um, you know, just the ability to kind of uh, play well with others, et cetera. Um, I like uh, I, I like Bradley in that spot. Um, and now going to maybe reach a little bit, um, okay. a little, maybe maybe a little bit of a controversial pick. But um, I don't love that. I don't have a, a lockdown. My, my point guard position, not completely locked down. Um, and this may look foolish in a couple years, but. Um, I'm going to go with Jalen Brunson. Oh, JB. I, I wanted First JB. Nick off the board. I, want, I, want, I wanted him on my squad. Um, I have a lack of point guard. I want somebody to at least make Wilcott Frazier work um, on the defensive end. I wanted our producer, JJ, to be happy that we got a, at least one <laughs> wildcat in here. Um, but, yeah, I, I, um, you know, listen, uh, we know uh, in this day and age, this game, um, what Brunson brings to the table, a winner consistency um you know can, can distribute the ball if need be can get can get me buckets um so uh yeah i'm gonna take Brunson. and uh, just this just in jalen Brunson is actually he has he has a, a comment on being named to tommy's team he has seen the roster and he wants to weigh in on what he thinks about being picked on tommy's team the vibes are immaculate <laughs> says the vibes are immaculate immaculate vibes on the squad <laughs> jalen Brunson feeling very good about being drafted the team Tommy. Um wow. Okay. So you got uh you got Bradley and you got uh JB going off the board. So now I have the next two picks here, 14 and 15. Okay, so we, we need a shot blocker. Um we don't we don't really have a shot blocker. We have we got some defenders with the last few picks, but we didn't have somebody that's a true rim protector who's gonna come in when Jerry Lucas is either playing the four or maybe he, again he's uh coming off the bench. So I need somebody that can give me a good 15, 20 minutes of solid defense and solid rebounding. And it didn't end well in New York, but his early time here, he was a really good player. He was an all-star defensive player of the year. So I'm going to put Tyson Chandler on this team. Mm. I don't know how he's going to feel about this, mm. given the word is that those guys did not necessarily get along that great in their last year. But uh, Tyson Chandler, when we talk about Prior to this pre- recent Knicks team that advanced past the second round, we talk about the last Knicks team, the Knicks tape era, New York Knicks. Tyson Chandler was an indispensable part of that team, as I mentioned, a defensive player of the year, a great shot blocker, an excellent rebounder, an unselfish player. 
um, a guy who's an NBA champion. So, again, this is not going to be somebody who's going to be afraid of the big moments and the big spots playing uh, against great players. He's going to be going up against Patrick Lee and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and the great uh, Willis Reed. So good luck to him. But I, I need somebody who can who can defend at a high level. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring Tyson Chandler on board. He's going to be uh, pick number 14 for me. I need another wing on this team. And I think this is where you're starting to think, hey, how can I build some good chemistry on this team? These two guys helped really kind of carry that Knicks team in the late uh, 90s, early 2000s as the uh, pairs on the wings. So why not pair them again uh, on this squad? So Latrell Speedwell is going to be uh, my next pick, the 15th overall pick in this draft. Spree can play the two. Spree can play the three. Spree's another guy that is absolutely fearless. So playing against the likes of other all-time greats is not going to scare him. He's going to go out anybody he's going up against. And, um, and again, another guy who, who's played in the absolute biggest spots uh, in this franchise, with the exception, of course, of winning a championship. He's played in the NBA Finals. He's taking his team to the NBA Finals, obviously winning an Eastern Conference championship with the Knicks. So uh, I, need, I like Spree's just dog. Again, you need to get some dog on this team. I think we've added that with some of the guys we've picked after our top five. Um, we had the top five pick, a lot of skill. Now you got like Oakley, and now you got Tyson Chandler. Now you add Latrell Sprewell. I think it adds a little bit of a of an extra oomph to this squad. Again, a little dog that the team needed. So I'm pleased to add Latrell Sprewell to this squad as the 15th overall pick. Okay, solid pick. Um, I get just one here, and then it's back to you, and then I get two. Yes. So, um, let me – and a little bit, I haven't really addressed the the the, the, the power forward position since early in the draft, and uh, you know, don't necessarily have a true four. Um, let me go with Harry the Horse Gallatin. Um, oh, good one. With with my pick here, one of the best rebounders um, in the league during the entire the 1950s, um, averaged over 15 points per game in, in 53, 54. Um, incredibly durable. Played in 610 regular season games in a row. Um, played well in big games, uh, was an important part of a Knicks team that advanced to three consecutive NBA finals from 51 to 53. Uh, so a winner, um, add depth along that front line. Um, another, I have plenty of scores here. So a guy that's willing to do dirty work, rebound, um, give me the horse. That's an excellent pick there. Um, okay. So I need, or yeah, I'm going, I'm going here. You got one thing. So, so I need a I need a backup point. So I got Clyde. Um, he's taking Jalen Brunson. Tommy has, and he's also taking Earl the Pearl. I'm torn on which guard I want to take, but I think I know what I'm going to do here because I think this is a team that again is going to need defense and is going to need probably some some positional versatility. And I think that whenever we rank all time Knicks or kind of put together all time Nick lineups. He gets forgotten about, and, and maybe for good reason, but I think that he's a guy that absolutely would fit in these kind of teams. So Michael Ray Richardson will be the 17th overall pick uh, in pick. this draft. Uh, Michael Ray Richardson was an absolute hound defensively. When I think he's the all-time leading, stills leading towards a per game uh, for the Knicks. Of course, you know, uh, you know substance abuse uh, kind of took away what should have been a great career, but he was an absolute star for the Knicks, a triple-double threat. Um, he was 6'5 guard, so a big guard, so he, he, he'll have no problem. Maybe he can even give some problems to someone like Jalen Brunson coming off that bench. If he's coming off the bench or maybe he's starting next to Earl, depending on how Tommy's going to do it. 
Uh, I like the idea of having a defender. I was close to taking um, another Nick Guard, a New Yorker, but uh, but I, I decided that Michael Ray Richardson is going to be the guy that makes sense uh, for his defensive prowess and his ability, again, to get everybody involved uh, as a triple-double threat. So Michael Ray Richardson um, is my uh, my ninth pick overall, the 17th pick overall in this draft. When I took JB, the other two guys I was thinking about was Mark Jackson and Michael Ray Richardson. There you go. You know, those are those are the, you know, and, and you're right. Richardson, you know, 79-80 season, led the NBA in assists over 10 assists a game and steals. Um, well, you know, he's first team, all, the, all defensive first team twice. Um, and as you know, he's second in the NBA uh, all-time NBA history in steals per game, 2.6, um, and first in franchise history. Um, so, uh, yeah, just a, a great all-around player um, when he's healthy and, and, and all set. Um, all right, so I got two now. Um, yes, and these are your two final picks of the draft. I need three-point shooting. I don't have really have a three-point marksman. I also need feistiness and energy and 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 90s vibes and and somebody's willing to come off the bench so i'm going john starks here um you know uh defensive you know he's a a guy that contribute defensively um can light it up when he's going well um if he's struggling a little bit you know if he's two for 17 ish or or something like that um you know we have somebody better than rolando blackman to come up i say i'm saying yeah yeah where's rolando (laughs) (laughs) to replace him so we'll ride him when he's hot and when he's not you know he can he can cheer from the sideline um and um you know got the poster over there stark's one of my all-time favorite knicks um right near the top happy to have him on the squad um so we'll go starks there and this is my final pick right yes it is all right so plenty of talented names let me get a look at who i don't think i necessarily need a specific position i got a couple point guards i don't i got two two, i got two shooting guards i got some forward depth i got obviously plenty of centered um so should i go with somebody i like somebody um let me see here Tommy's got he got to call up the head coach of this team. I don't know is Tibbs coach this team. <laughs> you got to call the head coach, get some, get some, get, get some input on how what what the team needs to finish out the roster. Let's go. I necessarily need another point guard. Um, highest ranked guy. I'm like sitting here thinking like if he takes my last pick, I will be shocked. But I don't know. He might. I have no idea. I'm I'm gonna go with Dick McGuire. Um, oh, okay, good one. You know, uh, he, in the conversation of greatest Knicks point guard, he can play a little bit off the ball. Yeah. Um, five time All Star, um, led the NBA in assists multiple times. Um, you know, we know about his 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 basketball mind in terms of coaching and yeah. Um, you know, his 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 love for the game. Um, obviously a lot of other directions I could have went, but I wanted to go a little bit small. Um, and it's somebody with a, a proven track record of success collegially, professionally. So uh, let me get uh, Dick McGuire. Mm, okay. So I have the final pick in this draft. And I, I feel pretty good about this team. And, and part of me kind of wonders, maybe I need another laser as a shooter. But I, I'm going to say I, I'll be good with the guys I have. And this guy can make shots. He definitely can make threes. He can make shots. I think I just need a I need a, a real six man. I need a guy who can come off the bench and just go out there and just get buckets for me. Maybe when things aren't going well, or again when Ewing and uh, and, and Will Street are manning the paint and man in the middle. He's 
one of my all-time favorite Knicks, and he's probably he's the only Knicks that's gonna be taken on one of these teams that was really terrible during this new millennium. I'm taking Jamal Crawford with my final pick. Ooh. Jamal Crawford is gonna be the final pick of this draft. He's gonna be the 10th man on this roster. Again, Jamal Crawford. This is a guy who I watched score 50 points on Dwayne Wade uh in a Nick uniform. This is a guy who at times when he gets hot, he gets nuclear hot. So uh, I know he's not much of a winner, really, at this point in his career, his next career. But I think playing alongside some of these other guys that won championships, uh, uh, a, a, a Dave DeBusher, a Walt Clyde Frazier, I think that will be good for him. And then he's going to be playing on a bench unit where not necessarily guys that need shots to impact the game. Oakley doesn't need shots. Um, you know, tight channels doesn't need shots. So we need somebody to come in and just light it up. And I think that Jamal Crawford will be happy to play a 15, 20-minute role where he's coming in and he's just gunning. And I think given some of the guards that Tommy's put together on his team, I think that Jamal Crawford would be able to score on some of these guys. I think he would be able to score on Richie Garrett. I think he would score on a Dick McGuire. So I, I like the idea of having Jamal Crawford coming in there just trying to jack up shots while these other guys are, you know, Oakley's throwing elbows <laughs> and locking down guys. And Tyson Chandler is man in the middle. So a maybe a surprise pick to some. But I, I have Jamal Crawford as my final pick in the all-time Knicks draft. Can't go wrong with Crawford. Um, I think the only player in NBA history to score 50-plus points for four different NBA yep. organizations. Three-time uh, six-man-of-the-year award winner. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, great guy. Good locker room presence. Yep. Um, so uh, you can't be, I can't be mad at that pick after all. Yeah, and I think one of the best handles ever and maybe yes. the best left-to-right crossover ever because yes. people seem to forget when we talk about guys with the best handles. Jamal Crawford, a uh, fantastic ball handle. Also allows me, again, to talk about the positional versatility. I can move Michael Richardson off the ball at times, and, Mike, and Jamal Crawford can handle the rock uh, playing the one. So so that is the final roster. So I'll, I'll list off my roster, and Tommy, I guess you can list off yours. So uh, I have Walt Clyde Frazier. I have Allen Houston. I have Carmelo Anthony, not in that order. Carmelo Anthony was second pick. Alex is my third pick. Then I took Jerry Lucas, uh, Dave DeBusher, Charles Oakley, Tyson Chandler, Latrell Sprewell, Michael Ray Richardson, and Jamal Crawford. Now, our producer, Jimmy, says we should commit to a starting lineup. So I, I will I will put out my starting lineup. I have no problem doing that. So starting at the one, you will have Walt Clyde Frazier. At the two, you'll have Allen Houston. Starting at the three. Uh, yeah, at the three, I think you're going to have Latrell Sprewell, like I mentioned before. So, oh, no, sorry, Carmelo. No, we're going to go Carmelo. I was thinking about maybe Melo four, but I'm going to go Carmelo to three because I can't have Dave and I got to have someone coming off the bench at four. So I'm going to call Carmelo to three. Dave the Bush is going to play the four. And part of me is one. You know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to start Tyson Chandler. So Jerry Lucas is going to come off the bench. He's going to give me some shooting off the bench. Tyson Chandler may be one of those starters that only plays, you know, 15, 20 right. minutes and gets a lot of fouls. But um, but I I need him starting the game on Patrick Ewing and and, and, and Reed coming off. So I'm going to start uh, Tyson Chandler. And then, you know, Jerry Lucas immediately kind of becomes my sixth man. He probably gets the bulk of the minutes with this game. He probably closes most lineups. So that's my starting five. So I got uh, Clyde. I got uh, – started two, Allen Houston. Then I got uh, Carmelo. I got um, a Dave DeBusher. And then I'm going to go with – at the center position, Tyson Chandler. It's a good five, man. I'm not going to lie. That might be a little more well-balanced than my squad. 
Um, all right. So uh, listen, I got Ewing and Reed. I can't not start one of those guys. Um, so I'm going to start Willis at four, Pat at five, um, and see kind of if they, you know, we'll play, we'll play a couple games, see if they, you know, see if they feel comfortable with each other and then we can adjust accordingly. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll start off with those two guys as, as kind of the, the, the building blocks of squad, bring Bernard King to at three, um, play Richie Guerin at the at, at, at shooting guard, and then we'll bring Earl off the bench and have uh, Jalen Brunson as my starting point guard. Interesting. So Jalen Brunson is starting at the one. I kind of like the idea of uh, Earl Pearl coming off the bench because he could play either spot coming off the bench. Totally. He's like locked a, into. A little IQ, a little IQ-ish in that respect. Yeah, you know? yeah. because some ways you're kind of locked in to him. at You're locked into him at the one, starting at the one. Where yep. JB comes in, he's coming. So I kind of I like how you did that. I, I like how you did that, man. I think this would be, I think this would be a great matchup. I, I think uh, <laughs> for fun, one, man. again, how the front court would play out with Ewing and uh, Willis Reed against a front line that has Tyson Chandler. But I mean, you know, it's Tyson Chandler is Patrick Ewing. I'm not sure I feel great about that. And then you got you know the Busher having to guard Willis Reed, all the toughness in the world, and you know, Willis Reed's not the biggest center, so he's not going to be completely dwarfed, but, you know, Willis, of course, will have that size advantage, too. So, that's that's a, a tricky matchup there. I, I mean, I'm curious how, what happens on the bench. Like, I'm curious, again, he's coming out with well, with, uh, with uh, Pearl coming off the bench, so, I mean, I think I feel a little better than actually having someone like Michael Ray Richardson, because he's got a Hall of Famer, uh, one of the best point guards of all time on the bench. At least I got uh, Michael Ray Richardson, a guy who's a, who's an ace defensively to guard him. And, and I thought the interesting pick uh, that that went there was John Starks and kind of what his role is on this team. Cause as, as he, as Tommy mentioned, not necessarily the most shooting, you do got Bill Bradley on that squad. Um, but, but, but John Starks really is going to be the guy that's going to be relied on to really kind of be the three baller for this team. Yeah, and gonna, I'm also curious, I'm also curious what happens with Bernard King. He's got like the Bernard King Carmelanthi matchup kind of almost kind of goes under the radar, but this is yeah. like, the matchup for all Knicks fans. I feel like every millennial and Gen Xer has been arguing for the last 10 years between Carmelo Anthony versus Bernard King. And in this draft, we finally, we get that matchup. The winner gets their number retired. That, 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 that's what that's <laughs> You know uh, what? James Dolan would put something out there like that. He'd be like, you know, I just, you know, like he's not going to just let them both get their number retired. He'd be like, yeah, you know, whoever wins, we'll, we'll give, put them in consideration. You know, that my- would be my my approach is going to really slow the game down. You got the shooting, you got outside shooting. I want to slow the game down, turn it into a '90s style slugfest. Um, you know, a lot of scoring. That's why I like Brunson. Um, you know, he yeah. can get some ISO buckets. Same with Reed and Patrick and and Bernard, etc. Um, and and again, kind of you know, make it a make it a slugfest as opposed to a kind of a shootout when you can bring guys like Crawford and Richardson and and, and, and Mello and get guys running up and down the floor. And, and Walt's certainly comfortable playing that way. And by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, we have the scroll of the first round results below. So you get to see how this draft went. Now, I think it's important to note, uh, again, we did a, a 10-man rotation. So we don't have a full 12-man roster here. But there are some players that just obviously just missed the cut of making one of these squads. They're all obviously all-time Knicks. We all love all these guys. So it was very tough not putting some guys on the squad. So you mentioned Mark Jackson. And part of me still is kind of contemplating, man, I really want to push the tempo, but Mark Jackson would be a better fit than Michael Richard. Oh. Michael Richard could both – they could both push the tempo, so I'm not going to be as concerned about that, but it was something I was really thinking about. I was like, if I'm going to push the tempo and have to run and, and get guys open looks, maybe Mark Jackson was the better fit. And 
Uh, one guy that did not get picked, who's kind of – it's ironic because I think he's the all-time Knicks leader in points per game as a Nick, is Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo still Bob McAdoo, there. Yeah, Bob McAdoo didn't get picked. But for me, I, I just – he was – he's such – he's a great player. It was a short time he was with the Knicks. Knicks were not very good when he was on here. But, like, for me, I was having a tough time just figuring out, like, once he's on your team – he's getting like 30 shots. Like, I'm like, yeah. I, 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 I don't know if he really fits the rest of the roster. I was trying to, you know, put together. And if I was going to bring myself some defense in that front court, I couldn't find a way to fit Bob McAdoo in there. So those are two guys that I, I kind of immediately looked at and said, Oh man, I, I don't know how they didn't make this squad. I just, I realized as soon as I, after I made the pick, my last pick should have been Anthony Mason. I should have took Mace. Um, yeah, my last pick just a little bit of toughness, a little bit of, of NYC. Um, obviously, content to come off the bench, um, would excel in today's NBA in terms of his versatility as kind of a point forward, one of the original point forwards. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would have, would have loved to add Mace to this one. Yeah, Mace would have been, and Mace again, point forward, a great passer. He, he's another very versatile player that would, would have been a good fit, uh, I think, on either of our teams. I would agree with that, and then. Funny, the McAdoo thing was also kind of why Julius Randle didn't get picked for me. Again, it was the same thing where it was like, I don't know if he's a guy who's going off the bench. Like, what is his yeah, value? Yeah, 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 yeah. What is his value? Is like, you know, is he the, the sixth man? How does he play in that kind of role? I, I just didn't know where the shots were coming for him. So he didn't get picked as well. Plus, I mean, plus, a lot of great players. If I have Tibbs as my coach, even if I have Ewing and Reed, uh, Randall's still playing <laughs> 30 minutes. So I don't, I don't want to put anybody in that. Sorry. Game. So I, so let's actually, so we should, I'm going to do, I'm going to freestyle this here. And okay. since we did this draft, I think we should select coaches. So I had the first pick. So I think you should have the pick of your all time Knicks coach. So who's Red, coaching your squad? Red Holtzman, baby. Okay. Two, Red Holtzman. Two time champ. Um, you know, is certainly familiar with winning teams in New York and managing personalities and all that stuff. So, um, sort of a no-brainer, a minor. Yeah, this is a little tricky for me. Not like I mean, look, Pat Riley is the second greatest coach. Yeah, and then Jeff Van Gundy's third. I don't know yeah. if either guy is a great fit for the team I put together. You, but you like, might want to have a Don Nelson or a, I mean, Dan, Dan I, was Tony, Mike Dan Tony, I was thinking Mike D'Antoni, honestly. I really was. But Mike D'Antoni and Carmelo Anthony, that's that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> point, so there's no way it would be Mike D'Antoni. I'm going to trade um, you Jeremy Lin if you – if you. Uh, if you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? I'm going to go off the beaten path, and I'm not going to actually take either Jeff or Pat Riley. I'm going to pick somebody who I actually love listening to talk about the game of basketball and I think will be um, a great guy to kind of maybe – really be kind of like a father figure to a certain degree in terms of kind of like getting these guys to play the right way. And no, I'm not talking about Larry Brown, who would have disastrous Nick coach. I'm going to say Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown's going to be okay. uh, my coach. I think that uh, I know he coached in the eighties. So maybe there's some concern about like, well, how we be able to work together with it. Actually, you know what? I'm going to, I am going to do another audible. I'm actually not going to take, I'm actually not going to take Hubie. I'm going to do an audible here because I forgot about Nick's coach. And this is going to be the guy who's going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take Rick Pitino as my Ooh. Knicks head coach. Rick Pitino is the guy who actually ushered, ushered in three point shooting really to, in, in a major way to the Nick organization and maybe in a major way to the NBA. It was a short time with the Knicks, but I think that he would be the guy that would be able to best look at this roster and say, how do I win? I feel like with Pat Riley and Jeff Van Gundy, I'm going to have to play 
first of all, those guys love Patrick so much. They may actually sabotage my team. I don't know if they would be all in <laughs> on actually trying to find a way to devise a way to stop Patrick Wing the way those guys love uh, Big 33. So I, I need a coach who could look at this team, see his strengths, but also see his weaknesses. Okay, how do we go about uh, attacking this team? I think he's a guy that's going to let us get up and down the court. He's going to want to run. He's going to use the pressure defense of a guy like Mike Ray Richardson to our advantage. Walt Clyde Frazier to our advantage. So uh, Rick Pitino is going to be my next coach for this squad. If EJ called an audible, JJ, when you compile the list, I want Anthony Mason as my last pick. I'm, I'm redoing my final pick. And since EJ didn't draft him after, I guess he's still on the board. Um, yeah, so you can replace um, – it, it was McGuire, right? It was Nick McGuire. McGuire. I'm going to I'm gonna take Mace and add that. So, so Nick McGuire has been, he's been – he's been cut. He's been he's cut. Been cut in tra- he's been cut in training camp and an and undrafted free agent. Yeah. Just like, uh, just like, just like in Mace's history, I have a queen uh, on it. Would Phil Jackson have been eligible to be a coach slash a player coach? That's oh, a, that's a way. I don't think he should. I don't think he should be because yeah. like he didn't coach the Knicks. You True. know what I'm saying? Like we're going with Nick players. I think he had to. Have, he would have had to have coached the Knicks. Um, I mean, he would have been definitely my pick if I would have had a choice of coach coaches. So. Uh, and then we got the alert there for those who are, <laughs> who are watching on YouTube. Uh, Dick McGuire, who was drafted. Well, and look, this well, this happens. Sometimes you get drafted in the second round of the NBA, well, and then you don't make Wode's the squad. Woj just tweeted it, so it is the uh, an official Woj. In draft Woj bomb, um, yes, Anthony Mason has been added to the squad. Yes, or as, uh, as our producer Jim said, the Jim bomb here. He's got the news <laughs> first. It is, a, uh, it is a move by Team Tommy. So Dick McGuire, who was drafted, has been cut. And now Anthony Mason has been added to the team. So that does add a different element. Now, you know, Mason and Oakley coming off the bench, I'm sure there will be some flagrant fouls and maybe some ejections in this potential game with those guys playing opposite each other. If you ever uh, read uh, uh, Chris Herring's excellent book, Blood in the Garden, you'll hear about how uh, just how tough as the word I could use these guys were. So overall, I think that this went around pretty well. I think that this is going to be an interesting thing. And as I mentioned, uh, we're going to put out the rosters. We have our starting lineups as well, so we'll have the starting lineups up as well. And you'll be able to decide who would win. Do we want to put this? And I'll ask you, Tommy, live here. Do you want to? Let's say we want to make this a seven-game series. I think maybe one game is unfair. This is NBA. Let's say which of these teams will win a seven-game series. Is that you think that works? I like that. Yeah. So so we'll put it out on social media. Um, if it's not on WFAN's Twitter. It will be on one of our Twitters, and one of us will retweet. It will be out there, and we'll have a poll, and we'll ask which of these teams would win a seven-game series if they did battle. So you got Team Tommy. You got Team EJ. We want to know what you guys think. Of course, hit us up on social media. If you listen to the episode, you want to just chime in uh, prior to the you know the, the tweet going out and the, and the pictures going out on social. Let us know. But we want to know. And then next episode, we'll, we'll have the results by then, and we'll talk about it, and We'll give you guys a uh, and actually maybe what we'll do is uh, we'll put up a, on Twitter. Maybe we'll also read some of the comments that may come down or, or any of the comments we get from other people about the teams we put together. And we'll read those on the next episode of Orange and Blue Bloods. But, man, 100 episodes of, of this podcast uh, doing it, I think, in a really great way. Again, celebrating Nick's history the way I think only maybe we can. I think of, you know, there's so many people who obviously love this team that cover this team well, but. When it comes to the history of this team, I know Tommy loves this franchise uh, the same way I do. So I think it was great to really honor a lot of these great players. Some, of course, who have passed recently by talking about uh, what they did for this organization, what they did for this fan base. 
Agreed. Agreed. It was a lot of fun as always. And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. Absolutely. So thank you guys for checking out this episode 100 of Orange and Blue Bloods. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, and I don't know how you couldn't enjoy this one. I think this one was a doozy. Uh, you can uh, listen to all of our episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. So make sure you get the auto download feature on your streaming service. Get these episodes every time we drop. Also, check us out on YouTube, where if you want to watch uh, this uh, episode, and may, this may be one you definitely want to watch, especially because of all the neat graphics our great producer Jimmy had for this episode, um, make sure you uh, head over to YouTube. WFAN channel will have this episode of the podcast up this week. And, of course, um, follow us on the on the regular social media platforms. Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram, TikTok, and Threads. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. And thank you guys for lifting us up and carrying us through these 100 episodes. We could not do it without your support, so we appreciate that as well. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.